Well, I start this morning uh, with, a, with a video clip that I'd like to show you, and uh, it's about four minutes long, a little longer than I typically like to show, but uh, it's important and it serves as an intro uh, to my message this morning. So Adam, if you'd cue it up and run it, please. began several years ago. If you saw me, you would not have guessed. We are writers, engineers, people you see every day. It was never discussed or treated. No one got help. I didn't feel comfortable um, within myself. Living with mental illness is no joke. Feels like a cloud shadowing the sunlight. Swinging from cloud nine to the depths of despair. It does not discriminate rich, poor, mothers, friends. Even though every day is a fight, every day is also a blessing. Life does get easier. You can get through it. It's not always pretty, it's messy work. It was tough, really tough. It's like an avalanche and you get buried but you don't lose who you are once you can kind of get things dug out. If I didn't know that options were available for me to pursue treatment and to enter into recovery, I may not have sought out recovery as an option. I was able to get the right treatment. Mental health can feel like a mountain you have to climb, but I hear the view from the top is worth it. We can and will get better. Now, uh, I want to spread hope to others. I am being vocal. To advocate. To make a better world. Others advocating for me has helped me to want to be an advocate as well. There is no shame. If everybody knows how to have this conversation, it will make a real difference in the lives of other people. It's amazing the power of the story. If what I went through can give someone hope, then it was worth every fall start a conversation around mental health. It needs to be talked about. By sharing with others. I'm able to help my peers, friends. My family. We're all human in the end. How am I vocal? Well, I'm a part of several local organizations. I serve as a board member. An advocate. The recovery support specialist. At the same Dallas VA hospital that I have been a patient in uh, so many times. I fight for those who can't fight for themselves. I host chats to give people a platform. Sharing my personal story on my blog. Teaching basic signs and symptoms. And helping others has just made my life worth living. Speak up. Start making a difference. To make a better country. To help a person struggling, give it everything I've got. Do something about it. We're in a place where we need a civil rights movement in the mental health field. I'm speaking up everywhere I can. 
my life has changed since speaking up. Bipolar disorder took a lot from me, and if a little bit can go back the other direction, then, then that's just great. In this world full of people willing to help, no one should bear this burden alone. It's time to educate and advocate for change. Be vocal. Be vocal. Be vocal. Be vocal. Be vocal. So a pretty powerful video with perhaps a standalone message and uh, certainly mental health is at the forefront of what the chapel is about in terms of our care for each other and for this community and I will continue to do everything in my power to crack the stigmas and the shell open and make sure that we are a place that speaks up continually and loves each other through our struggles and pain. The voices we just heard are from people living with a variety of mental health illnesses and issues. And to me, each and every one of the people we heard of from are brave and courageous. And each realizes that it is because of what they're dealing with that they have something amazing to offer other people. And while no one chooses mental illness, and although we are far be behind where we should be as a nation in responding to mental health issues. The voices we heard point to something we all need to pay attention to, whether or not we ourselves are struggling with mental health issues. And that point is, is that regardless of whether or not we're dealing with mental health issues, most of us in life are suffering from sources of pain or struggles or issues. Most of us in this life feel at times inadequate or flawed or imperfect in some kind of way. And I believe that all of us, whether or not we're struggling with mental health issues, have challenges to deal with day in and day out. All of us, none of us are immune. No one has life down 100%, thank God. No one is perfect, whatever the heck that means. All of us have weaknesses. But there's very good news to this truth. And that is that whatever we perceive our specific weaknesses in life to be, it is precisely in such places where God is working within us most powerfully. It is precisely in such places that God is using whatever it is that we're dealing with for the good of people around us. As many people have realized over the last few decades, our challenges, our weaknesses, our imperfections, our mental health struggles, our pains, our hurts, whatever they might be, actually can become the source of our greatest life strengths. And such strengths, I believe, are what we have to offer others in life. I love what the author Arthur Brooks writes. He states, as have others, 
that we can make our weaknesses our strengths, whatever they might be. We can make our weaknesses our strengths. One example of this, it doesn't have to do with mental health, but has to do with challenges, uh, are written about by a fellow named David Kirpin, who notes that our weaknesses generally always have a corresponding strength. And so he writes, for example, if our weakness is being a stubborn person, and we know it, we can reshape our stubbornness to become the strength of dedication. If our weakness is feeling powerless, we can reframe such a weakness into the beautiful, magnificent strength of being a humble human being. If our weakness is being impatient, such impatience can be reshaped into becoming the strength of a person with passion. Being unrealistic can be turned into the strength of positivity. Being shy can be turned into the magnificent strength of becoming reflective and contemplative. Being inconsistent can turn into the strength of flexibility. Arrogance can be shaped into confidence, and so on and so forth. And it's not just the secular and psychological literature that understands what we were talking about. You see, in story after story and story, some of which we heard in that beautiful song this morning, God often takes what a person perceives to be a deficit or a pain or a hole or a challenge and transforms it into a strength through which the person discovers not only healing for themselves, but the source of service for the benefit of other people. The source of service for the benefit of others. Isn't that what that video was all about? I'm taking my pain, I'm speaking up, and I'm reaching out. That's strength. Well, for a moment, let's take a look just a few stories from Scripture which highlight the point that our perceived weaknesses can become the source of our strength and also the place God works mightily to bring about healing and transformation in our lives. Take Jeremiah from our reading today. Clearly, Jeremiah doesn't have the most robust self-esteem. He questions his ability to express himself. He views his youth as a deficit. His self-confidence appears low. He does not feel like he has a lot to offer. And yet, God responds to Jeremiah's self-perceived deficits, weaknesses, and inner sense of insufficiency by turning such things within Jeremiah into the source of Jeremiah's strength from which he went on to become one of the world's greatest prophets of all time. That sense of insufficiency became the source of his power to become a prophet. Jeremiah was also known as the weeping prophet. He felt things deeply. He was sensitive to the wrongs and injustices around him. His heart was often broken. He felt hurt and pain by seeing how terribly people treated each other. Yet I would say such qualities, even though quite hard and painful, were the source precisely of his strength, a strength that enabled him to speak about the wrongs of the world that were spot on, even though his words were not popular to those in power. And as I mentioned, Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. Jeremiah wept all the time. Here's what one person writes. Where there is weeping, there is hope, because where there is weeping, there is love going out to people. There is a sharing of pain and suffering. Where there is weeping, someone is turned away from themselves long enough to see the pain of other people. And when there is weeping, we are reminded that God is a God who weeps. 
And even though Jeremiah wept, was not such weeping part of his profound strength to become the prophet that he was? Then in the Gospel of John, chapter 4, we find the story of a woman at a well. In the story, Jesus, as some of you remember, enters a town in an area known as Samaria. As Jesus is tired from a long journey, he sits down by a well. And while there, he encounters a woman who approaches the well to draw some water. And Jesus asks the woman, will you give me a drink of water? The woman is stunned by the request. At the time, people from Samaria were hated by Jews. So as a Samaritan, the woman was shocked that Jesus, a Jew, would ask her, a Samaritan, for water, let alone anything. And while we don't know a lot about the woman, we do know that she had five marriages. We can assume she felt shame because she did not reveal this truth to Jesus until he pressed her on the subject. We can assume she felt like an outsider, again, because Samaritans were incredibly disliked by Jews. And while we are not told how she felt specifically, I have to ask if I felt shame and if I felt like an outsider, as she did, would I not be unhappy? Would I not feel trouble to my core? And yet in the story, Jesus responds to the woman's self-perceived weaknesses by inviting her into a new life of faith and trust in him. And what she considered amiss within herself became the foundation of her faith and trust in Jesus. And her faith became the source of faith for others in her community. And then there's the story of Paul. In a letter to the people of Corinth, he wrote the following. But to keep me from being puffed up with pride because of the many wonderful things I saw, I was given a painful physical ailment which acts as Satan's messenger to beat me up and keep me from being proud. Three times I prayed to the Lord about this and asked him to take it away. But his answer was, my grace is all you need for my power is greatest when you are weak. I am most happy then to be proud of my weaknesses in order to feel the protection of Christ's power over me. I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. In most versions of the Bible, Paul writes that he had been given a thorn in his side. The version, version from which I just read says it was a physical ailment. And whether this thorn that Paul had was a physical issue or a mental health issue, we don't know. But what we do know is that Paul had to deal with something personal during his life that was not easy to deal with. He referred to whatever it was as his weakness. But Paul explicitly states that he considered his weakness to be the source of the strength that enabled him to do all that he did. With regard to this story, Arthur Brooks writes with some adaptations, the real question is why Paul reminded the early Christians of his weakness. Was it to stimulate pity or guilt? Certainly not. His clear purpose was to show that he, the great Paul, visionary and apostle of Christ, was flawed. And Paul goes further to say that this flaw is the source of his strength. This man who brought in many thousands of converts was claiming his true strength was his torment. 
The secret to seeing our strength is coming from our weakness is to recognize that our weaknesses can be a gift to others and to others as Paul's life demonstrated. But aside from the lives of Jeremiah, the woman at the well, and Paul, there are these stories. Moses had a deficit talking. He stumbled in his speech. Gideon believed he was not strong or powerful. A woman felt she had absolutely nothing to offer in life. Another woman was possessed by demons, and another made her living in a way that was not respected by anybody. One man was filled with doubts. Another struggled with courage. One person felt unworthy. Another was sometimes overcome by extreme anxiety. Yet story after story after story in Scripture demonstrates that our perceived weaknesses, challenges, heartaches, pains, struggles, whether physical or mental, can end up being the source of our strength. That such places are where God's healing is to be found. That such places can serve as the foundation from which we help others. Our weaknesses are precisely the places in our lives in which we find God. And frankly, our weaknesses and struggles, when we open up about them, and speak about them, help us to become closer to other people. I love, again, turning to Arthur Brooks, what he writes. He writes, our elite credentials don't make us relatable. They are a barrier to deep human connection. We need our weaknesses. We need our weaknesses for that. And I would say it's our weaknesses that move us toward greater intimacy with God and can propel us toward the purposes for which we were given life to begin with. So I want to wrap with this. It's a bit, it's a bit of a risk, but not really. I have, I have faith in you all. I'd like to share something personal you may or may not know about me. And I share this not because I seek pity. I don't seek pity, pity, concern, or sympathy. And I share this knowing that sermons and my vocation are not about me at all. But I also share this because I believe we are called to be vulnerable with one another. So if I ask you to be vulnerable with one another, I've got to be vulnerable with you. And that is, as the voices in this video said at the beginning of the sermon, we all need to speak up about our own personal challenges, whatever they might be. And for as long as I've been at the chapel, I have prayed and wanted desperately for the chapel to be one place where each of us can just be who we truly are, whoever we are, knowing that we are loved and adored by God no matter what. I want this place to be that place. For as long as I can remember, I've had a companion in life. That companion, a lifelong, chronic, low-grade tendency to feel a little depressed. Now, I still feel great joy, gratitude, enthusiasm, robust love, affection, and a deep appreciation for every day. But sadness is always kind of there in the background. While not easy, and it has been a journey with lots of help, I have over time come to see this sadness is a source of my strength. 
You see, I feel that that sadness enables me to feel a deep compassion for people. That sadness enables me to feel the pain of others, to empathize. I get it. That sadness enables me to be in a place where people know, don't need to pretend to be something around me or to put up a front because I see through that anyway. I have a sensitivity for what others are going through. And all of this helps me to show up for others. And honestly, I don't believe I would have such strengths were it not for my lifelong companion of a little bit of sadness there in the background. Such sadness has enabled me to see the power of God working in your life and in mine. Such sadness has helped me to trust God more, not less. Such sadness helps me to know that we are all part of the human family and that nobody has it down, especially those who say that they do. Such sadness helps me to know that Jesus was right when he said that what matters in the end, the only thing that matters, is love. Loving God, loving others, and learning to love ourselves as God does. Such sadness is the source of my absolute indignation for our foolish brothers and sisters in Christ to exclude women from certain roles in churches or condemn those because of who they love. It's absurd and it's intolerable and not acceptable and not in alignment with Jesus and the gospel. Such sadness is the source of my indignation at cold-hearted national leaders that willingly treat people and talk about people like they're garbage. You see, we are all beloved creatures of God. And we all, all have something we're dealing with. So speak up. Let it become the source of your strength. Let it become the source of your compassion toward other people. Let it become the core of who you are as you follow Jesus. When we get in touch with our struggles, weaknesses, faults, or even mental health challenges, our sources of pain, it is then, with the help of others, and always with God's help, that we become very clear on the source of what our strengths are. So I ask you today to do some self and some honest self-reflection. What are you struggling with? What are sources of your weaknesses? What brings you pain? It's okay. It's okay. What are some of your long-standing hurts and challenges? Might it be, could it be, that God is inviting you and me to learn such things as the places from where our God-given strengths come from? And might our loving Jesus this day be asking you and asking me with his help to reframe how we see our struggles as ultimately gifts that lead to our healing and the opportunity to take part in the healing journey in the lives of others. Our struggles are the source of our strengths if we'll be honest with ourselves, others, 
and with God. And it's okay to speak up and be vulnerable with each other and with Jesus in this place.